0: All right, we'll go ahead and get started this evening. Today is understood that Immanuel Kant. you may not have heard the guy, he was a German philosopher, was the continental divide for modern thinking. This was the turning point from truth to ideology. Kant taught that no one could ever know objective truth, that all one could ever do was impose one's personal, subjective, mental categories onto reality. As I said, Kant was a German philosopher who lived in the late, or the 1700s, I think he was born in 1724, and he died in 1804. And according to Kant, truth is relative to the mind. You may think, "What does this matter? Well, this is stuff that's being taught in some of the schools, and it's a mindset, and we're going to see as we progress through here how this has changed what we do today. This thinking has had a doleful effect on the virtue of truth-telling. If you cannot know truth, if truth is only what you subjectively think, how can you tell the truth? Now think about that. We're looking at the ninth commandment about, which is going to be bearing false witness against our neighbor, lying. But if there is no truth, and we're hearing this more and more today, if there is no truth, how can you lie? Because really what you're saying is just subjective to your thinking and your reality, so you're not lying. Of course, we know lying is not new. People have always struggled with lying. But this skepticism regarding truth has made it easier and more acceptable. This post-Kantian thinking has developed into the century of the great lie. Slogans and propaganda have become the tool for intellectual and political dominance. And I know as Christians we get so upset with politics, we're not going to go there, but we're going to hit it for a moment, of how can they lie all the time? Well, now we're finding out. And they become that it's okay and it's more your image, not what you're saying. And truth is by far gone in what people are being taught and what people believe. And if we do not believe there's an absolute truth, it's okay to lie. Now, you'll digest that. Next time you watch Fox News, it'll hit you. Now, lying is, not an, is a necessary part of human nature and has received support from the scientific community. Now, listen to this. To be sure, the Bible teaches that lying is a part of the human race and human nature. We are all sinners. And it's difficult that stating that lying is a necessity to humans. So now they're beginning to state that lying is a necessity for humans. The American Association for the Advancement of Science argues that proficiency at lying may be the best measure of advancement, with primates much more adept at lying than other mammals, and humans being the most masterful deceivers on the planet. So now they've attached lying to evolution, to prove evolution as we've developed the skill of lying. And it's now they're also saying that lying is necessary, that key word, for man's survival. Lying is an indispensable, socially adaptive virtue, and we couldn't survive without it. In 1990, Child Magazine had an article, The Truth About Lying. The old view, lying, like other issues of morality, was seen only in black and white. Children were taught that all lying was bad, Deserving of strict punishment and frequently reminded that lying will make your nose grow as long as Pinocchio's. We took them to the movie to prove it. The new view, some lying is considered normal. In fact, a child's first few lies are seen as an important step in the development of the child. Now think about that. They're now saying it's good for the children to lie. If this is true, I'm going to read the statement again. The new one, a child's first few lies are seen as important steps in the development of self. If this is true, then Jesus never attained a healthier development of self because he never lied. You see how these lies are going against scripture? And then if you believe that, then you have to believe that Jesus either lied or it's a lie. It's a lie. In the truth about him according to the research data for the day American told the truth 91% of Americans lie one in five can't make it through one day without telling a lie and this is conscious meditated lies not just letting one slip if you want to say only 45% doesn't lie because they feel it is wrong Only 45% believe lying is wrong, so they don't lie or try not to. But their fear is they're going to get caught in the lie. That's why they don't lie. The more we know someone, the more likely we have told them a serious lie. The more we know someone, the more we're in relationship with them, the more we've told them a serious lie. Now, here's some fun facts. My daughter would always say fun facts. Here's some fun facts. And I, I left some of these out. I'm not going to give them all, but there's some really fun facts. Men lie more likely than men lie more than women. Don't go there. Young men lie more than older men. Gay and bisexuals lie more than heterosexuals. Catholics lie a bit more than Protestants, but both lie more than Jews. Think about that. Unemployed people lie more than employed people. The poor lie more than the rich. Y'all may not believe this one, but liberals lie more than conservatives. Two out of three believe there is nothing wrong with lying. Two out of three Americans surveyed do not believe there's anything wrong with lying. Only 31% believe that honesty is the best policy. So look over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. If you've been reading through Colossians, you'll be familiar with this passage or when you hear it. So not only is lying bad with just in general with Americans, but also it's back in Paul's time part of the church. And it was an issue in the church, and it's an issue in churches today. So Colossians 3:9 says, "Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man, with his deeds. So here's Paul addressing the church, going, You're new, you're a new creation, you're a child of God. Don't lie to one another. And he's talking about inside the church, and we'll get to this in just a moment. But let's go off to lying. First, lying, the prohibition on your sheet, lying, the prohibition. And we'll start in Exodus chapter 20. Lying, the prohibition. Exodus chapter. Twenty and again tonight we'll be looking at quite a few passages. Exodus chapter twenty, in verse sixteen, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This commandment was originally focused against perjury of oneself in a judicial trial, not against lying and deception. But just as with the previous commandments we've looked at, like adultery. Christ expanded that to include lusting, murder. He included hate. So look over in Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 11. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 11. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. So here the commandment is broadened to include lying and deceit. And the scripture is clear that God hates lying in any form. Look over in Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. In verse 22. Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 22. We know the Lord hates lying because it says in verse 22... Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who but those who deal truthfully are His delight. So we know that the Lord hates lying; it's an abomination to Him. And why would that be true? Because God is truth, and the opposite of that is lying. And so we know that the Lord hates lying. We know he said it in Leviticus, don't lie to one another. Paul talked about even inside the church, do not lie to each other. So we, next we know lying, the motivation for lying, the motivation for lying. We're going to look at some different passages here. The motivation for lying, and there, I believe there's five of them. First is sheer hatred and malice. We just don't like the person, or we're angry at them. And so we say something to hurt them. So we're in Proverbs. Look over in Proverbs 12, 18. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Here's these words that are just as a sword out of hatred. We would stab someone or with a sword or try to kill someone that we do not like, that we have a malice or a hatred towards. And our words can be as a sword, and out of anger we can say these words, and many times they can be destructive. Flip over to Psalms chapter 64, the 64th Psalm. The 64th Psalm, verse 3. The 64th Psalm, verse 3. Who sharpens their tongue like a sword? and bend the bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. We have this hatred, we have this anger, and it says the bitter words, the words that we speak, even the lies sometimes, but even the bitter words, is like an arrow with the sword or the spear or the, the arrow in a sling and we shoot it And it goes, the bow, and it goes right into the heart. And it kills, and it destroys. And the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a lie. And our words can destroy, but our words, as we'll see later, can bring help. So one of the motivations for lying is hatred or malice. The next is fear, fear of consequences. And this is the root of most children when they lie, is the fear of consequences. But also it's true to us as well, whether it be at work, whether it be at marriage, whether it be whatever, the fear of the consequences will cause us to not be truthful. Number three would be embarrassment, to avoid embarrassment or hurt others. We don't want to hurt anybody else and we do not want to be embarrassed. So then we may lie, not tell the truth so that we will not to avoid embarrassment. Number four would be money to protect it, to earn it. A lot of times in marketing, you, we, you may market something and you can fudge on the truth so that you can earn more money. And there's a lot of competition to earn money. There's a lot of competition even on reports at work or whatever to, to fudge on those and preachers are the worst you get amongst brother barry could attest this i'm not going to ask him to testify but anyway we'd go to fellowship meetings and they all want to know each other's running on a sunday and not one of them telling the truth you know what i mean they're counting everybody from who knows where and it doesn't so um, don't get me started on that but anyway money Um, how did i get on that but that was money okay to earn it next would be the culture number five the culture It is okay to tell a little white lie. We looked at that earlier with our culture today that it's okay. There is no truth. So it's okay to tell whatever you perceive truth to be. And that's okay. Next on your page, lying the ways we lie. So lying the ways. The ways that we lie. Number one, in no in particular order, would be slander. Lying about another's conduct or character. And sometimes this is easy to do because of jealousy. And there's times maybe God's blessing someone and we want to say something about them. And we want to slam them. We want to hurt their character. We want to talk about them in a way to kind of lower them and to raise us many times. And so we can slander when we're talking about someone. And sometimes we can even do it in jest. Or say it some way, but really it's slander about another's conduct or character. Number two, we're going to look at some passages about this one. I think this is big among prayer meetings. Gossip. Sharing information that may or not be true and is harmful to the subject. So let's look over in Leviticus chapter 19. I think we've been there once. Leviticus chapter 19. Go back to Leviticus. Leviticus nineteen, sixteen, talking about gossip. You shall not go about as a tailbearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not go about as a tailbearer, telling falsely gossiping about someone. Go back to Proverbs chapter sixteen. I should have just gone there first. Proverbs chapter sixteen. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer or gossiper separates the best of friends. When we're sharing information about someone, and sometimes it's just to pray for them or whatever. But really what we're doing is gossiping about them and even lying sometimes. And if we're not careful, we can distort the truth to someone to make that person look bad. And then gossiping almost turns into a slander where we're talking about them. So the scripture is very clear about not doing that. Look over in Proverbs 20, verse 19. This would be number three. Flattery, the flattery, Proverbs 20 19. Who goes about as a tailbearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Flattery would be saying something to someone's face that you don't believe and you'd never say behind their back. For instance, I'll just say this kind of as a joke, I hope. You walk up to me and go, Great message, Pastor Jeff. And walk away and go, that was the worst match I've ever heard him preach. Trying to flatter me. So if y'all want to start that, I'll take it. Just Trust me, I won't hold against you, I'll take it. But we say those things to my, oh, you look really nice. And walk around, did you see her hair? You know what I mean, whatever. And, uh, and so we use flattery, but we shouldn't use that. That's one of the ways that we lie. Next number f- um, would be exaggeration. Number four would be exaggeration. And what it's talking about is exaggerating many times in one's work or what they've done. We can exaggerate in all that we've done, and really it's lying. Sometimes at work we exaggerate on some things maybe we've done or produced, and really we didn't do that. Someone else could have even done it. But we exaggerate and sometimes lie to bring forth to make us look better. Next would be true words. True words. You may go, what does that mean? Well, the illustration that I read is like if, if someone was to fill in for a boss and the boss was sick and wasn't there for the day and someone was filling in and they wrote on the report, the boss is sober today. Well, he is sober. So what is it? What, what is that? Okay. <laughs> I thought it started playing music. I thought the angels were singing. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> I was talking about being sober. Maybe I wasn't sober. I was hearing things. I wasn't real sure. but uh, Because but, it was talking about in the story that it was talking about was this, this sailor. It was, I guess, the, the head guy. At the, the, what's, the, uh, what's the head guy of a ship called? captain. So as the captain and his first mate, okay? And the captain was sick, and the first mate was very jealous of the captain. And so he got to be directing the ship, and he was the captain for that day because the captain was sick. And all of a sudden, he wrote on the, he has to keep this this report, and he wrote on the report, the captain is sober today. So it's true words, but what was he implying? Trying to make him look bad. He was lying about his character, about his slander. So sometimes we can say yeah he was on time today so what does that imply he's normally late he told the truth today he's normally lying and so we can use those sometimes even true words next would be insinuating insinuation and we can insinuate to lie is Jeff really that smart what are we trying to say insinuating he's not smart at all why would Jeff do that? So we're insinuating his character is bad. And so many times we can say things and it comes across as lying. Then the last one would be, number seven, silence. Something untrue is said and we remain silent. A good illustration of this is Jonathan and David. When Saul was talking about David and wanting to kill him, Jonathan said, no, no, no. King, that is not true. David is not. Did I miss some? Okay. That I felt like I did because I got him off here. But anyway, that talking about going, Dad, that's not true. King, that is not true. David is not that. And Jonathan spoke up and was not silent. If If we're silent, we're agreeing with what is being said. So we have to recognize that. Next, line the destruction. Lying the destruction. There's five of these, or four of these. Lying the destruction. Number one, it's a character destruction. Lying holds hostage all other virtues. And so lying will destroy your character if you continue to lie. We've all lied. But if you continue to do this, it will destroy your character. Next, relationship destruction. It will kill your relationships. If you're lying to someone, they're no longer going to be able to trust you, and it's going to destroy the relationship, and you'll have no relationship. Lying destroys relationships. Next, as we even read, verse number 3, church destruction. Lying will destroy a church. A church only survives on the truth, the truth of God's word, And if we're preaching and teaching the truth of God's word and we're to be living in truth, we shouldn't be lying to one another. And scripture is very clear about this. We have the the account of Ananias and Sapphira who came forward and lied about what they gave. And the the Lord was establishing right off the bat at the early church, there is no lying in church. And he killed them. We look at Achan when they went into the, the promised land, the nation of Israel. And he deceived, and he lied, and he stole from Jericho. And the Lord not only killed him, his family, his cattle, everything, because he was saying lying is not, it's an abomination to me, and it's not allowed in the church or with this nation. So it can destroy a church. Number four, soul destruction. It can destroy your soul. Look over in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolatry, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death we see what the lord thinks about lying and it's not good and we must truly grasp that deceit is a libel against god whose image we bear if we claim to be a child of god and we cannot tell the truth we're speaking liable about who god is it's that important so what's the keys to having the discipline of grace. What are the keys to having the discipline of grace? Number one is radical truthfulness. A truthful tongue can be an instrument of grace. We saw in Proverbs twelve eighteen. And I'll just tell you, we'll state it again: that truth words can bring healing, or it can bring the sword of death. In our words radical truthfulness truth can bring healing we know that god is truth and we're to bear that in our lives but god's truth his word can bring healing sometimes when we speak god's word but also we need to know that there needs to be a radical change that we're not going to allow ourselves to be as the world who speaks lies who is untruthful and believes there is no truth, but we're going to believe in a truth and we're going to speak truth. So how does this happen? Number two, with prayer. With prayer. The 141st Psalm, if you'll flip over there, one hundred forty-first, 141st, 141st Psalm. It is so hard to say. And we'll look in verse 3. 141st Psalm, verse 3. Be a prayer. Look in verse 1. It says, Lord, I cry out to you. Here's David praying. Verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And we can pray, Lord, help me today to speak truth. Help me today to bring encouragement with my lips. Lord, put a guard over my mouth that I will not lie. I will not be deceitful. I will not speak words that bring a sword to someone, but that I will speak truth. I'm not saying you speak up truth and go, hey, you look like. Not, that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about speaking truth of encouragement, of love, of health, as God's word is saying. And we have to pray for that because it's hard. It is hard not to speak words of deceit, of slander, of gossip, of all these things that we spoke of. And it's hard to speak truth. It's hard to be honest sometimes. But we need to pray each and every day, Lord, help me to speak truth. And then third, that we meditate on the scripture. So we have a radical change in truthfulness. We have prayer. And then we meditate on the scriptures. I'm going to give you five scriptures that you can meditate on to help you with speaking truth. We'll start in Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9. Proverbs 11, 9. <clears throat> the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. So here we go right off the bat. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. But with our words, we can be delivered. We can help deliver someone with truth that we speak. So we could start there. Look down in verse 13 of the same passage, Proverbs chapter 11. A tailbearer, gossiper, reveals secrets. But he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. We hold it in. We don't go share it and gossip with everyone, but we hold this in to protect the other one involved. So we can also meditate on that scripture. Look over in chapter 18 of Proverbs, verse 8. Chapter 18, verse 8. The words of a tailbearer or gossiper are like tasty trifles. And they go down into the inmost body. They go into the soul. They go in and they destroy and they hurt. And they destroy a person when we speak these truths about. And here's what happens so many times when I deal with people in church. A lot of people that when you're trying to get them to come to church, they go, I've been hurt in church. Well, a lot of times where they've been hurt is nasty words that have been spoken about them. Or what things have been said about them. And so then they think the whole church believes that about them and the whole church is going to speak about them. And it's interesting that when you go through a a time and we go through a difficult time and the first thing Satan begins to tempt us about is that the whole church is going to know and the whole church is going to talk about me. The whole church is going to look down upon me. The whole church is going to... And I want to go, not if they're a church that speaks truth. They should love you and encourage you. And they should embrace you and help you heal and help you grow. But see, the lies, they've seen it, and they begin to believe the lie that Satan, the father of lies, begins to tell them. Another one is we can look at Psalm 39. Psalm 39. The 39th Psalm. In verse 1. I said I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with the muzzle while the wicked are before me. I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. We have to protect our heart. We have to protect our heart with God's word. When we're meditating on God's word, it will help us. With our mouth, that we will protect our mouth if I guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. And it can happen so quickly that we can sin with our tongue if we do not guard our ways. Then look over in James chapter 3. With this one we'll end. James chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. James chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. It is so easy with our mouth, and this is one thing we need to meditate on, that we can praise the Lord, we can praise God, and then all of a sudden in the same mouth curse mankind. We can begin to speak lies about someone else. We can begin to gossip about someone. We can begin to talk bad about someone else. And James said, this shouldn't be. That should not be a Christian. That should not be one. Our lips should be encouragement. It should bring healing. Our mouth should bring healing. But the only way that happens, we protect our ways. We guard our heart. That's hard to do. And it's a struggle. But out of the same mouth, it shouldn't be cursings and blessings. It should just be blessings. And as James is speaking here and God's word is speaking here and we look at this ninth commandment, that we do not bear false witness against our neighbor. That we do not lie and speak untruths about someone. But yet we encourage them. We love them. We lift them up and we pray for them. And if we'll begin to do this, we can make this ninth commandment that speaks about the lying and stuff, but it can become a thing that we speak truth, and it can bring health, and it can bring grace, and we can be instruments of God's grace. And so I hope tonight you've been encouraged. And I have to confess about some of these. It can happen so easily in my life. It can happen in yours. Just like we've looked at the last two. How it's so easily, I like to say I'm not a murderer, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a liar. But in these areas, if I'm not careful, I can fall into any of them. And so can you. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that as we looked in tonight, that, Lord, that we would speak words that bring health. Lord, that we would speak words that bring encouragement. Lord, that we would speak words that bring blessing. And, Lord, that we would guard our tongue not to speak words that bring, as it says, a curse. Or, Lord, that we would speak as arrows and darts of hatred and anger into one's life. Lord, it would that we would not speak words that would be a sword that would destroy. But, Lord, we would bring healing. And, Lord, I thank you for your truth. And, Lord, as we saw this evening that... This mindset that is beginning to evolve into our thinking as a culture, as a world. Lord, that lying's okay. And Lord, that we do not believe there is an ultimate truth. And if we truly believe that you are truth and we are your children, Lord, that we will speak truth. We will speak love. We will speak health. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can look at it tonight. Lord, convict us where we need to change. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us in ways that we can encourage one another. And Lord, we love you. Thank you for the truth of your word. It's in your name we pray, amen.